The Fake Show podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Tone Factory recording studios in Las Vegas, the Craft House Brewery, Moonshot.com, Mr. Antenna, and Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. It's The Fake Show with Jim Toffey. Welcome to a sort of a special episode of The Fake Show podcast, especially for those of you with kids or grandkids or you're a teacher wondering how to explain this COVID-19 pandemic to them in a way that might actually give them some comfort. It's not an easy thing to do, but there is a wonderful new children's book called Anna and the Germ that came to visit by Christy Ann Klein. And people here in Southern Nevada might recognize Christy Ann from her days anchoring the news at KLAS Channel 8. And oh, by the way, she was also an anchor on the ABC network, among other accomplishments. She was inspired to create the book by her two-year-old daughter, and very quickly she collaborated with her mother, and it was an instant best-selling hit. Please welcome Christy Ann Klein to the show, and congratulations on the book. You must be very happy about this. You know, it's one of those things that we didn't anticipate writing, but the response we are very happy about because a lot of people have taken to the book and shared with us how it's helped them. So it's one of those situations where I wish we weren't in this situation. I wish we weren't in a pandemic where we needed to have a children's book that dealt with this and addressed this topic. Right. But the the response from parents and from teachers and librarians and grandparents has just been phenomenal. And I have to say that I was pleasantly surprised seeing you uh, interviewed on ABC, on the ABC network. I just happened to come across the network while you were being interviewed after not having seen you for quite some time. Now, I didn't realize that you had left Channel 8 here in Las Vegas, so it was just like you kind of were gone. Was it because you were raising a family that you kind of stepped away? I wanted to spend some time with our daughter in between jobs. So the plan was always to go back to work in news, and then the pandemic hit. Uh, So right now, I'm home with our daughter and with my husband, and I wanted to be able to take some time off with her because, as you know, working in in TV or working on radio, it can be pretty time-consuming. So she's at that age. She's two years old right now. I wanted to I was hoping just to be taking off about six months, Uh, but now that we're in this situation, I'm just going with the flow and going to see how we all feel about it as a family once the danger passes physically and if it's safe to do so and it makes sense to do so, then I would be going back into a newsroom. Is Channel 8 a possibility? Is that something that you've talked about with them? Well, not to give anything away, um, that was not one of the places that we were talking about. Uh, We were planning, actually, to to move out of the area. We both love Las Vegas, but we were planning on, on moving out just because of different opportunities. So, Now we want to make sure that we're reevaluating everything and making sure it's the best option for our family because certainly now that we're in this pandemic situation, it's not just the same concerns that you would normally have when you're choosing a job. It's is this place the best place for us to not just raise a family and educate our daughter and live, but is this the best place that if this comes back in waves that it's safe for us to be here. A lot of other considerations that that go into this now, and I'm sure that 
every family around this country is probably having these conversations too. Maybe a lot of people aren't aware of the fact that you've worked at some impressive places. You worked at the ABC network. And what was that experience like for you, the time you were there? You know, I really enjoyed my time at ABC and I love New York City. That That is a place that I, my heart is in New York City and hearing from my friends and family that are there that are dealing with this. It's just, it, it's a trauma and on a different level. Um, for ABC, I just enjoyed being surrounded by these brilliant people at every single level. They're just so talented. And I've had the opportunity to work with amazing people at all of my stations that I've been at, uh, including here in Las Vegas. But ABC is a different animal. And it, I loved working with GMA. I'm still very good friends with a lot of the folks that are over there. And, you know, we don't know what the future will be, will bring and whether or not um, New York might be in the cards again in the future as well. Not that there aren't good people uh, here on, you know, in TV news, but you seemed a little too polished, maybe. Is that a, <laughs> a nice way of putting it? I don't know. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I, don't, I don't consider myself that way. I just try to take the knowledge that I've gained from other places and utilize it to the best of my ability to communicate with the viewers what they need to know. And I think that's important anytime you're a journalist. I don't care if you're working in local news or you're working at the network level. You have a job to do, and that job is to inform the public and to do it in a way that is not biased, that you're presenting the facts and the accurate facts, and you better know your stuff. And so for me, uh, education is really important. I went to Wellesley. My brother went got his PhD from MIT. I consider every yeah. single story that I cover, including on the desk, to be a research project. If I don't know everything that there is to know that I can in a time uh, period about a certain subject, I don't want to interview that person because I think it's really important that you're presenting the information in a way that you have the background knowledge to be able to ask those important questions. And I believe, and, and I certainly have heard from viewers over the years too, they know. They know the difference between someone who takes that extra time and someone who is, as we all call it, you know, phoning it in. I, I really think that's important and important uh, in any job, um, but especially if you're going to be presenting information to a significant amount of the population. I like that way of thinking. I've always thought that you over-prepare, and if you leave some stuff on the table, so be it, but at least you you went the extra mile. Exactly, and you know, especially in TV, we don't have time to be able to cover things in the depth that we always want to, so we're lucky if we can have a a four-minute long interview. That's crazy long in television, but it's important still to have that knowledge and you never know what the person that you're interviewing, if they're going to say something that triggers something else and you you go, oh yeah, I read about blank and then you can ask the question about that. I just think it's so... It's so critical, and especially in the times that we live in, to be able to provide people with accurate and factual information. Your book, which is which is for children, of course, is is called Anna and the Germ that came to visit. And it is so timely, of course. It couldn't have been that long ago that you had the idea. How did you do such a comprehensive job in such a short amount of time? Working 24 hours a day. <laughs> a really great 
help across the board. So the idea came to me because we have a two-year-old. And just like everyone else, I didn't know how we were going to explain to her what was happening in the world. And at first, because mommy and daddy are home right now, she kept saying everything was fun. So it was fun, fun, fun having us both at home. And then out of nowhere, she started saying that her doll was sick. I don't know where she picked it up. Neither one of us are sick. Her doll, you know, obviously she was picking up from somewhere. And every time I talked to a, a friend that's a parent or a family member who's a parent, they were all dealing with the same thing. Their kids were really upset. They were depressed in some cases. If they were out of school, if they were a little bit older, they missed their friends. They wanted to know when they could go back. They missed their grandparents. My daughter's not used to just seeing her cousins only on FaceTime or seeing her grandparents only on FaceTime. So there's a lot of confusion about what this is. And I was hearing from other friends that have kids that are three, as young as three, saying, when the virus leaves, can we go back to the zoo? When the virus leaves, can we go back to the museum? When the virus leaves, can we visit grandma and grandpa again? And these are very young kids. And every single time, every parent was caught off guard. Not one of us were like, oh, of course they would be doing that. We all thought we were insulating our kids. We all thought we were protecting them. We don't watch the news when she's around. We try to watch it when she falls asleep. So it became just this thing where I thought best way for her to learn has always been children's books. You repeat them over and over and over again. They see the images. They put the images to the words. And I said, gosh, I wish there was a children's book for this. And it hit me like a bolt of lightning. I said, there needs to be a children's book for this right now. And I called my mother, who's a marriage, family, and child therapist, and she specializes in children and trauma. And that day, I wrote the first initial draft of what would be Anna and the Dream that came to visit. And I incorporated all the emotional aspects that I knew all of my friends and family were going through the, the, with their kids, with the boredom and the loneliness and the sadness and the fear and the anxiety and the confusion. And I asked my mother to help me weave those therapeutic tools into the storyline itself. So we're not just taking it from the emotional aspect, but then taking it that next step. And I really wanted to end the story with a message of hope and resilience. So at the end of the story, the germ goes away, but because of everything that Anna learned along her journey, if it ever comes back, the family knows that they can get through it again together. So that message of hope and learning and empowerment was just so critical. And that day that I called up my mom, she started working with me. She also did the illustrations because she's a great artist. And we pretty much worked 24 hours a day until we could get this out. It was an intense effort, but I knew that it was needed now, not six months or a year from now. And she is based in another city? She is. She's based in Sacramento, California. So all of this was done virtually. A lot uh -huh. of FaceTime, a lot of crazy calls, a lot of me getting up at 3 a.m. and talking to Amazon. I just get everything in line and be able to get this information out to people and making sure that we were presenting it in a way that parents could start that conversation with their kids. Who did you approach to to get this published? Um, I, we just went straight to Amazon because then if I would have okay. gone the traditional route, 
uh, I've got friends that work at HarperCollins and at other uh, major companies, it would have taken a year and a half to be able to publish it. It just, that's how things work and operate. So in order to be able to get this out to the most amount of people as quickly as possible, we published through my company and went through uh, Amazon directly to Amazon for ebook and print. Christiane Klein joins me. Her book, Anna and the Germ That Came to Visit, is extraordinary, really, not only for kids, but I imagine that you've heard from parents that it helps them to read this as well, because it just seems like one of those things that is so well thought out and well explained. Absolutely. Thank you for that, by the way, from someone who has read it. I appreciate that compliment. Yeah. We did hear immediately from parents, and that was interesting to me because... Uh, their kids are projecting themselves onto that story of Anna. So I knew that it was going to be helping the kids, but the parents are feeling better after they read it themselves. My mother has clients. She still is seeing clients virtually in California, and some of them contacted her after they read it and said, you know what, I actually feel a lot better. And really, in, in some ways, that makes sense to me. It wasn't something that we anticipated, but I was trying to put something out there that would help us as a family that would take that one little extra bit off of parents' plates to be able to have that conversation because kids are really confused. I've heard from more than one parent in this process that their young child was saying that they had the coronavirus because all they knew was they couldn't go to school anymore. And other times when they were sick, it was they couldn't go to school because they were sick. So these are kids that don't really have it, but that was their interpretation of what was going on for them in their world. So it's been just fascinating the way that different people are are taking the information that's in the book and looking at it and projecting it, you know, from their life into the story. We had a little girl that's seven years old that read the book and insisted on doing a video review of it, and she gave us five billion stars. <laughs> One of the things that I thought was just so fascinating about it is we stay away from the words that I which use in a newscast. So we never reference it as a virus. We only call it a germ. Didn't want right. to use, you know, those trigger words that, that could create fear. And we never use the word quarantine because, again, that's one of the words that we hear on the news. And this little girl said that her favorite part of the book was when the mayor lifted the quarantine and the kids could go back to school. So, again, they're projecting their own experience. They're projecting what they know in their world onto this book, despite whatever we put in there, that kids are picking up so much more than we realize every single day as parents. And part of it, my, my mother always says, you know, our job as parents is to try to reduce our own anxiety because kids are little emotional sponges. So they're picking up all of that. And it's so hard, especially, you know, here in Nevada and Las Vegas, so many people are out of work right now. Uh, no fault of their own. They're, they're out of work. So you have that emotional and economic stressor. Or if you are still working and you're working from home, now your kids are home too. You want to be a good parent, but you can't really divide your time well necessarily. So you have that stressor on top of it. Or you're afraid to lose your job if you still have it. And then you add a pandemic on top of it. So you've got the fear of like, what's going to happen to your parents? What could happen to you? Will you get sick? Will your kids get sick? There's just so much that people are dealing with right now. 
and any way that we could help take anything off their plate, we wanted to be able to do that. I anchor radio newscasts all over the country, everywhere from San Francisco to Atlantic City, and I have noticed how difficult it is for, and I'm talking about adults, to process this situation. Uh, there, there are just so many negative comments and problems all over the country, as you well know. Absolutely, and what's I think part of that is we usually know what's going to happen next in our world. This was a complete upside down for everyone. You feel like you're living in the upside down. When can we go back to stores? When can we do this? And is it okay, even if the government lifts those restrictions, is it safe? Is there going to be a next wave? Is there going to be a third wave? Is this going to go on for 18 months or two years? So there's just a lot of anxiety and confusion. And then we also don't know what's going to happen to the economy. And to have all of these things change and we, we say, you know, literally overnight, it really did happen that quickly here in the United States. And I think when, when you're looking at all of that and you're trying to make sense of it, we tend to do it in different ways depending on what works best for you. And sometimes that's through anger. You know, uh, my mother always says that anger is masking some other feeling. So if you're scared or you're sad or you're going through these other things, you were looking for that person to blame. We're looking for the, the thing to be angry about. And it's really hard to be angry with a virus. You know, how, how can you do that? You, you can't project that blame onto that as well as you can with other things. Is the Anna in the title, is that named after you or uh, your daughter or who? No, you know what? It, it's interesting. My, my great-grandmother's name is Anna. And... I, my daughter's name is Olivia, so it's not named after her. It just, it just immediately came to me and something that I, I have not changed from the moment I wrote word one on the page. Yeah, because having played classic rock like I have for so many years, the title Anna and the Germ, it just sounds like a punk rock band. <laughs> that is the first time that I've heard that, but I kind of love it. It's, it's amazing because you talked about teachers earlier and how this is probably something that could very well be included in several curriculums, don't you think, in the midst of this? Absolutely. And actually, we do know from teachers around the country that they are using this in their Zoom classes and they are incorporating it into the curriculum of their schools. We've had a lot of people ask to be able to use it, and then a lot of people didn't, and they just did. Um, but we've, we've had so many teachers and the feedback from teachers of kids from a variety of ages has been really great. And the other thing that we did, and I always tell anyone who, if you are a teacher and you're interested in this book, go to our website. It's thegermbook.com. We have a whole page that's just additional free resources. And there are coloring book pages that are based off of that book. Um, there are uh, songs that are based off the book as well that was inspired by the book called Hey Germ, Go Away, including a 20-second hand-washing version so that nice. parents and teachers nice. can play for their kids. And it's exactly 20 seconds long, so it matches that CDC guidelines. And then we also have tips and tools for parents and for kids. So if uh, teachers go there ahead of time or your school goes there ahead of time and they encourage parents to look at that information, perhaps download those images for their kids, it makes it more of an interactive experience for the teacher and that classroom as well. And we've had a lot of great feedback from people who are using it that way.
I understand that you were just interviewed as part of a documentary that that is about people trying to help others during the pandemic. Absolutely. And that was a, a it was a really nice call to get because, you know, this this really came out of a couple of moms that were just trying to help. And I wasn't even sure that it would be read outside of our family and friend group. Honestly, did not have a clue that this would go out and be kind of crazy in this world right now. Um, so to be included in that group of people that are trying to make a difference was just an honor because that the stories that they tell and the stories that will be told in the documentary are really beautiful and inspirational stories. And I think that's something that we all really could use right now. You're the uh, the veteran news person who has interviewed many people. How does it feel being the interviewee in this case? <laughs> it really is different. And I have a lot of empathy for all the people I've interviewed over the years. It's a different experience, but I couldn't have anticipated this a, a few months ago. I just couldn't have. I, I, I'm honored anytime anybody wants to talk to to me about this book because I really believe in it and I really know that it's helping people. So I, I'm, I'm appreciative, but yeah, it's a different experience. <laughs> and your book, it's doing very well on Amazon's list of new releases, isn't it? It is. It was kind of shocking. We, again, didn't anticipate any of these things, but we looked at it one day and I said, I wonder how we're doing. And there we were, number seven on the list of Amazon new releases for children's books. So it was kind of a crazy experience to see that as well, because especially when you know we're, we're working together with people across the country, and our goal was just to be able to get this out and get this out to people to help and to be embraced that way and to have this many shares and this many people coming to the website and sharing their own experiences and emailing uh, me and emailing me videos. And I try to respond to everybody as quickly as possible that, that are sharing those experiences because they're powerful. And I know when a parent sits down to type or a teacher sits down to type and talks about their own experience with this book, they're doing it from a place of appreciation and love and wanting to be able to get that message out as well. So thank you to everybody who has emailed and who has embraced this book. Really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. And I know that they thank you because they, I'm sure they just don't know how to explain it. And the, and the book is, does such a good job of that. Well, thank you. Thank you. That, that was our goal this entire time was really just to be able to open that conversation up for folks and to help kids be able to see that other people were having this experience as well because a lot of kids think it's just them or a lot of parents think it's just them that there's no one else in the world that's going through this and part of that reason is because we are all socially isolated right now so and we have been for so long that you do feel like you're all alone if you don't get to be able to have that same experience with other people and so to be able to bring something that that helps with that was just really powerful. I know it's early on in the in this whole situation, but has there been any thought to a second book and not even necessarily involving this topic, but maybe something else? Yeah, certainly. I actually would love to be able to do several books and a series of children's books that deal with different topics that affect children's mental health. Um, certainly not coronavirus. I, I, I hope 
that we get to be able to move past this and be able to get past this as, as a community and a society. But there are so many things that I've covered over the years as a journalist that I see that there are common topics that are affecting kids, whether you live here in Nevada or California or New York or Montana or South Dakota or Florida, wherever it is, there are just certain truths and certain things that affect kids. And so when you're seeing these commonalities, you start to wonder why those are and realize that there's a common need there that needs to be addressed. So I don't know which one we will start with, which topic or how, how that's going to look, because th- this particular book has been really, I, I'm focusing all of our extra energy on this right now, because we still are in, in the midst of all of this. And even with places that are, are easing restrictions, it doesn't mean that the mental health issues immediately go away. We've seen from other pandemics, or excuse me, ep- epidemics, like the SARS epidemic in 2003, that they did a study in between 10 and 29%, had symptoms of PTSD years after they were released out into society. So I think that, you know, being able to address that and look at that, this book also helps people understand where they've been. It helps kids to understand what the process was that they already went through. So if we are lucky enough that there won't be multiple waves, um, then it'll help with that. If there are multiple waves, kids are able to learn and know that they can get through it again. Christiane Klein's book, Anna and the Germ, that came to visit is available at thegermbook.com. It was a pleasure talking to you. I'm glad you're still in Las Vegas, and, and I'm sorry that we're not seeing you on TV right now, except for the, you know, the interviews. But it was, all, it was so great to talk to you, and I'm glad that you and your family are so healthy. Thank you so much. You too, and thank you for having me today. And really, this book is such a great way to start the conversation with kids about what is going on right now. Once again, The Germ Book. Dot com is where you can buy it. That does it for this episode of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofty, and I'll see you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.